every day on the big show. What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Michelle Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for What's Going On, brought to you today by our friends at Rough Tough. They set the industry standard for custom seat covers for cars, trucks, SUVs, and UTVs. Get the best fit seat covers for the make, model, and year of your vehicle, and do so uh, with a business that's been a Utah company since 1976. Check them out today, roughtough.com. That's roughtough.com. Of course, what's going on where we check in with the other shows on the Zone Sports Network. Gordon, we always enjoy it. Uh, let's start with DJ and PK. They had Dan Devine on, who uh, does a great job covering the NBA. Um, Dan gave his thoughts on uh, the Jazz balancing winning with development of role players. One of the things that bothered me is that they got contributions from guys in the regular season that they didn't get to the level or certainly didn't get above the level of what they had done in the regular season. And you look at some of these teams, obviously the Clippers, uh, Phoenix with uh, campaign, uh, and Lou Williams comes off the bench when Trey Young can't play. And these guys produced beyond what we've expected. And when I look at the Jazz bench, nobody produced even what I thought they were capable of, let alone beyond as far as that goes. And so they're having this struggle as they got a bunch of younger guys on the bench. Uh, do you develop them? Uh, but I got to win now. It, it, it's a dilemma there. So you're in charge. Uh, do you try to develop these guys in the bench or do you just move away from them and try to bring in better players that even if they don't get to play for a few games when they're called upon, they can come in there and do well? I mean, I think it's got to be a little of column A and a little of column B, right? I mean, to, to some degree, it's because you are the, – the, you know, the guys you mentioned who have uh, outperformed perhaps their, rep, uh, their reputation or, you know, uh, wound up producing uh, over and above what they – what you would have anticipated from them. You're talking about guys who can break people down off the dribble and create shots. And that's – you know, I think we see that uh, play up in the postseason just about every year. And – you know, the Jazz have one of those guys, and he was so good during the regular season that he won sixth man of the year. Um, but what makes Jordan Clarkson a sixth man as opposed to a superstar shooting guard is that he does that every other night as opposed to every night, right? And I think that's kind of the issue. Or, or, or you, you can't bank on him doing it for you know, 25 in an elimination game every night. You, sometimes it happens and he can carry your offense for a quarter. Sometimes it's, you know, three for nine or three for ten, and you're wondering when, you know, when the next shot's going to go down. Um, so to some degree, you know, you've, you've made your, your bed in terms of, of extending him. I think that was, it was a move that they had to make, you know, to, to resign him. They, it was a, he's a vital part of the team, and he performed great. He's performed great uh, essentially since he got there. Uh, did not have the postseason he wanted, but I think that's true, as you mentioned, sort of up and down the roster. I think the issue is, you know, you're, you're already locked in with 
the Gobert extension with the Donovan extension with uh, Clarkson now on the board on the on the books, and then probably in all likelihood they're going to you know you're a capped out team, you're over the cap, you're going to have to go use the bird rights to try to bring back Mike Conley because you can't just get nothing. You let him walk for nothing. You don't have the cap space to replace what he brings, uh, and he's been great. So you're operating as an over-the-cap team without much flexibility to bring in a whole lot of talent. So I think you know you can look for you know guys that you might be able to, to target with your mid-level exception or, or something like that. Uh, you know the sort of the smaller around the margins additions that you can sign in free agency. But you're going to have to see what you can you know develop with. A guy like you know Mieoni or you know the the other sort of recent draft picks like is you know are you going to be able to hit a home run again with Jarrell Brantley or something like that? Juwan Morgan are these guys, you know the kind of guys where like you can get some player you know the player development system that has churned out so many positive contributors in Utah can those guys kind of play up uh, with some more time, some more reps, and some more seasoning and uh, and then you know, you know beyond that it's you know you have to try to like work the margins because you've made your big bets. You've bet on Donovan. You've bet on Rudy. You've, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining you're going to be betting on Conley. Uh, you know, you, you've bet on Clarkson. You've made those decisions. So now it's, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot of money to play with. So it, it, it needs to be we do better with what we have. We, you know, chalk up some of this injury and some of it. We try to, you know, get in the lab and, dis- and dissect where we fell short in terms of defensive scheme or is there a way we can coach up some of the, some of the guys on that end. And then you, you, know, you put everything you can into getting those younger pieces on the fringes of the roster to be more playable when it matters most. <coughs> Excuse me. There you go. That's Dan Devine uh, from this morning with DJ and PK. And uh, that conversation kind of began with a report, uh, and we talked about it when it came out, Gordon, with uh, Andy Larson and Eric Walden there at the Tribune talking about the situation uh, with uh, Dennis Lindsay and the reshuffling of the front office and the relationship between Dennis and Coach Schneider. And one thing they reported uh, was this, and I'll just uh, I'll read right from the report. Lindsay and the team's front office disliked Snyder's tendency to keep smaller, consistent rotations, which prevented end-of-bench players and prospects from getting playing time. Players that the front office believed in or wanted to raise the value of, among them Dante Exum and Nigel Williams-Goss. So that, that delicate balance between you know, developing guys and winning basketball games, which is something that we've talked about a lot about over the years, particularly in the years where the Jazz were, you know, uh, middle of the road. Yeah. Okay, so you can understand how there might be a disagreement over something like that. Um, The coach wants to win, you know, and that's his number one priority. Yeah, but if you develop an asset to the point where you, they have some value on the trade market, that could help you win a lot, I, too. I didn't say that it was one-sided. <laughs> no, 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 but there's there's a reason. The pros that, and cons both ways. Yeah, there's reason that that is a point of contention, which I bet is not unique yeah. to Quinn Snyder and Dennis Lindsay. Mm-hmm. But it is it is a little bit delicate because, you know, assets are assets, right? And if you don't develop guys, then you know not only are they not contributing to your team, but they're not movable pieces that you could possibly better yourself. Uh, but, with. but but let's look at it. Uh, how many times was Dante Exum in a game, and he would commit three turnovers in a row? Happened all the time, all the and, time. And you can see why a coach would say, "Okay, I've seen enough of that right now. Work on that in practice, and then come back next but you time." But you could you could see a GM also saying. 
Kyle, you got to play that guy in, enough to get him good enough so we can get him off of our team. <laughs> good point. <laughs> Very strong point. And that was the last part of that equation that you read. Right. Um, so, yeah. I mean, Mia, Mia Oni is a good example. How many times was he in the game and you said, "What? what's that? He wasn't ready for the playoffs. Yeah. You know, I remember a playoff series, and God, I, I want to say it was against the Lakers, but it was back in the Darren Williams years where all of a sudden Ronnie Price had to jump into a game unexpectedly because it was an injury or something. And uh, all of a sudden it was electric. Like Ronnie really provided a bunch of juice, and I think they won that night, um, but but actually made a difference because he was ready to go, right? He was right. prepared when his number was called to step in and, and fill a role if needs be. Mie Oni was not was not that in the playoffs. He was not there. Well, Jake, I'll bet you with your uh, mental capacities, you could make an argument either way on, on e- any of these scenarios. Well, of course, because it's self-interest. Well, it's not just self-interest, but there are good arguments on both sides. Sure. But for so, Quinn Snyder, of course he wants to win basketball games. Mm-hmm. You know who are unemployed? Coaches who don't <laughs> win basketball games. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I get it. Yeah, yeah. I, I 100% get it. But if you've got to find the synergy to where everybody has the goal of winning a championship. And sometimes you, I mean, we think about this in our personal lives, business lives. Sometimes you've got to give in order to reach a common goal. So if it were going to cost you three or four victories during the regular season in order to play one of these players— um, and that's a gamble, too, because even if you do that, it doesn't mean they're going to be worth a darn at the end of it all. If you, if the Jazz gave three or four games in the regular season this year to identify somebody that would be playoff ready if needs be, if the rota- there was an injury and, and somebody had to become a rotation player— that's a, that's an interesting that's an interesting thought, right? I mean, because part of me wants to say absolutely, that's entirely worth it. Or what if it was four or five or six? I mean, because some of these games, I mean, they turn pretty quickly. But here's the thing: ultimately, in the NBA, seeding doesn't matter. So, so the regular season doesn't matter. In a sense, you and I have been having this discussion for years. I mean, that's why they're trying to make all these play-in scenarios with the playoffs, by the way, too, is to create some juice around the regular season or certainly the ending of the regular season because because seeding doesn't. It doesn't matter that much. Well, as we saw for the Jazz, and this is, I guess, a, a feather in your cap as far as the way the argument goes, uh, home court advantage, which the Jazz would have had throughout the entirety of the playoffs, uh, well, that went away pretty quick. The Jazz would have been better off getting the two seed and facing a wounded Lakers squad and then the Nuggets than they were going against the Grizzlies and the Clippers. See, this is a real problem because I hate that kind of manipulation. But it works. Unfortunately. It works sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. But the Clippers were so freaked out about playing the Lakers that they wanted to be in a different place, or they out, wanted to play the Jazz. Yeah, I don't, I don't know which was priority one, but which is weird because I think they would have struggled mightily against the Jazz if Mike Conley had been healthy. Well, he wasn't real healthy at the end of the year, mm-hmm. so maybe they saw some of that coming. Yep, but 
I mean, it, yeah, it is kind of the it, it's kind of the flaw in the NBA. So you know, to bring this full circle, you know, maybe developing those players to be ready if their number is called is worth a few losses. So Jazz because what does it ultimately or cost fans, you? Fans of any team have to maybe make that adjustment, as do executives. That uh, okay, um, we can't hold a coach. Excuse me, <clears throat> we can't hold a coach to a certain standard win wise or placement wise. Uh, because it's more important for certain players to get time on the court. And if that's the way you view it, and then those players don't develop anyway, so then you've lost on both ends of it. How about this thought, Gordon? Are the Clippers role players so ready to go this year in the playoffs because they have to carry a heavier load in the regular season because their stars are load managing all the time? Those players are just better than the Jazz players. Yeah, but guys like Terrence Mann. He's better. But he's played a lot of minutes. But he's better. I mean, he. But he's played a lot of minutes. He's been given a lot of opportunity to to develop his game because he's on the floor. You think that's why he's better? I do. I think that probably has a lot to do with it. There's a reason that these teams want to use the G League more because they need to play to get better, or at very least identify if they're able to get better. Donovan Mitchell had such a steep career arc because he was playing. Oh, I think it's because he was good. It's not the whole reason, but mm. the fact that he had the opportunity to go out there and get better and iron out his game on the floor yeah, well, that's makes important. a big. It makes a huge difference. But you can't play players who aren't talented enough to play. You got to figure and, that out, though. Well, that's not the coach's fault. That's the personnel people's fault. It is if those players aren't playing, because you can't identify it okay. and if they're going to get better if they don't get the opportunity to get better. How good was Dante Exum going to be? How good is Mieoni? You think that if he had played five more games or, or a combination of maybe ten more minutes per week, that uh, that he would have been a, a really really useful playoff player? I don't know, and I I don't like the Dante Exum example because that situation yeah, he was, was so unique and the yeah. injuries interrupted everything uh, so badly. Uh, but I'll tell you this: I like Jarrell Brantley. I think he's got a ton of potential, and I might be completely off on that. We'll see. Maybe he's out of the league next year. I don't know. But I, when he's had the opportunity to play, I've thought to myself, man, I'd like to see that guy develop and play a little bit more. Hmm. And he hardly played. Hardly played. He, the only time he, he played was in garbage minutes, and with the way Coach Snyder did it, it was like the last 60 seconds of those The games. problem with this is that we can't really argue it because we don't know whether he would have, whether it would have panned out or not, but I mean, you look at a guy like uh, Wesley Matthews when he was a rookie for the Jazz, and C.J. Miles got injured, and he really emerged as a, a, a key contributor on the on that particular team. But that was rare. He I mean, that been, was he could have been wasting away the Paul Millsap kind of phenomenon. But Jerry usually didn't give those guys minutes. But Royce, or Royce, Royce O'Neal, he's another one, by the way, who's played his way up the roster. But Wes Matthews in that circumstance, he got he got an opportunity to play uh, at a pure luck because another player got injured. And he was able to develop to the point where he signed a big deal his second year with the Portland Trailblazers, all because he got the opportunity to play and develop, and you actually saw for yourself what he was capable of. But Undrafted that's not, obviously that's not the case all the time. And so when will it work and when won't it? That's, that's I mean, the big question. Why did the Jazz waste all that time playing Trey Burke? Because they wanted him to get better, because they invested in him and they wanted to give him the opportunity to get better and be a key 
player on the Jazz team. They well, didn't want got, they didn't want got, him to flounder. He got plenty of opportunities. He did, and they figured out that that wasn't going to work, and yeah. they eventually had to to cut and run. I mean, it didn't work out well in their in their in that particular circumstance. But, but see, there's a reason they played him. He didn't see, give them the best chance to win. You can see why a general manager would want to see that player play because he's he's his reputation is on the line. Yeah, you know and. This is, but this is where the, the full circle. This is where the conflict comes, right? Yeah, this and, is, and you said it right. I think this is not an uncommon uh, situation. Uh, there, it probably happens quite frequently in all sports, and you can see it from both extremes, right? You know, there's there's a reason when coaches do the coach and GM thing, it rarely works because the coach's priorities. And a general, the front office priorities aren't always aligned. At least you don't have any disagreement. But that's not good, as you've <laughs> said so many times. So, speaking to Dennis Lindsay, something, with yourself. something that you always respected about Dennis Lindsay is he had a lot of voices in the room. Well, uh, that's you what know? I always thought. I don't know how well he tolerated those but voices. But you like the concept. Right? I like the concept. Like the concept. I don't know how it works sometimes. Because the priorities of those per two particular jobs don't always align. Yeah. Yeah. How many cases are there where the the uh, head of the personnel uh, department is also the head coach? I mean, it's very rare, isn't it? Well, you've seen it a lot with college coaches is going Belichick, to the pros. Is Belichick, uh, He's not technically uh, the GM, I don't think. Um, but uh, look, uh, who who has done it successfully? Bill Parcells. I don't. Was he ever the GM and the coach at the same time? Not in not with the Cowboys because Jarrah is the I GM. With the Jets, but. Mm-hmm. I don't. You remember when John Calipari went to the Nets and was the GM and the coach? Remember when Tom Thibodeau? Yeah. Which time? Uh, Doc Rivers? Anybody? Stan Van Gundy. It's problematic. Yeah. I like a bunch of voices in the room. I do. Even if they are not a perfect chorus. And one uh, guy or gal. Has to be the you know the bucks got to step somewhere. I get that that there's a reason that people in the big job get paid the big bucks. But I'm with you. I'd want a lot of different perspectives. But when you're making that decision, you gotta take into account most people are looking out for themselves. Uh, it's not necessarily that. It could be what they truly believe is best. Well, you said it yourself at the beginning of this uh, this discussion. Coach Snyder's there. Coaches are there to win ball games. Yep. And you're not wrong. But that's in their self-interest to win basketball games. Yeah, and which is there's irony there because Quinn has this uh, fairly stellar reputation for development, right? He does. Well, that's why I thought what happened in Philly was so offensive when they uh, brought in Colangelo to replace the uh, process guy. Kyle, <laughs> why do I always forget his name? Hickey. Oh yeah, Sam Hinky, right? Hinky, yeah. What did I say? Hickey? Whoops. Yeah, that's not it. <laughs> Hinky. Something on my mind. <laughs> uh, that you know that, his that that, uh, that little contribution sucked. Oh, boy, but his whole thing was be patient. We're not about winning games right now. We're going to do this uh, a different way. Mm-hmm. And everybody, put your self interest aside for the best, uh, the the betterment of the franchise in the long term. And we're going to forgive the L's on the record, right? And then right before it's about to turn around, what happened to Sam Hankey? <laughs> out and then eventually what happened to Brent Brown out different reasons though obviously but I mean 
coaches know they're not going to be coaching long if their win-loss record isn't looking good. Indeed. And so that's not what's always best for the franchise. Like, for example, Ty Corbin. Winning at that point in franchise history should not have been a priority. That's true. But yet he tried to win every game, even down to remember his last game where mm-hmm. he won it, and it was kind of a middle finger to everybody because yeah. it was definitely better for the Jazz if he lost it. Remember that? <laughs> yes, I do. And can you honestly, can you really blame him for trying to win every game because he's trying to keep his job? I'm not sure it really would have mattered at that point. Oh, if they would have traded everybody and bottomed out earlier, <laughs> it would have mattered. Okay. It could have been one more player to build around. All right. Yeah. Yeah, there are. And it has something to do with where the team is, too. I mean, the Jazz at that point weren't going anywhere. So the winning of the games wasn't as important as it was this year where you're trying to establish your team as a real contender. Right. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more Big Show uh, coming up. Mannix will be on with us for Lock at 5, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. is your chance to win tickets. Win. It's a win ticket Wednesday. <laughs> Caller number 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. And you'll win tickets right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, you heard the sounder. It's a win ticket Wednesday. Be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. You'll get uh, some beast ticks. What do we have, Austin? Four-pack? Four-pack to uh, July 10th, I believe, is the game. All right. The Bees start a six-game homestand against the River Cats on Thursday, July 9th through July 13th. Come out and support the Bees. It's better at the ballpark. Tickets on sale now or simply be the 12th caller right now, 855-340-ZONE. Good call on Diana Ross. Yeah. Feels like it's setting a good vibe yeah. for the show today, right? Why not? <laughs> Why not? Oh, it brings back fond memories for a lot of our listeners who are Maybe a little more advanced in years, but uh, influential person. Can I get to something real quick? We 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 uh, yapped on about the Jazz uh, in development in the last segment. We want to get to to Hans and Scotty because they're talking about NBA and the big story, the injuries um, uh, of the day. We'll get to that here in a second. Can I bring this up real quick? Because yeah. I just I just came across this. You're familiar with the crash at the Tour de France? What was yes. it? A couple of days with ago the guy with the sign. With the sign. If you haven't seen the video, it's it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, somebody is facing, like the direction the bikes the bikes are going. Yes. Not the oncoming cycle uh, cyclists, but facing where they're headed, and she's holding a sign, a cardboard sign, and one of the cyclists runs into the sign. The sign it, was a little elongated. And it was uh, sticking out into the road. Yeah. It, it certainly was sticking out into the road. One of the cyclists hit it, and it caused. Pandemonium, yes. right? A, well, a crash, a big a, crash. A, a huge crash. Well, get this. She's 30 years old. She's a French woman. Uh, she's been arrested. Wow. They arrested her. Well, uh, it was assault with a sign. Uh, in custody Wednesday at a police station in Brittany, where, near where the competition is held. 
uh, uh, let's see. She's accused of involuntary, involuntarily causing injury and putting the lives of others at risk, which is punishable with a fine of around 1700 bucks. She also faces up to a year in jail. Wow. She won't go to jail. Doesn't that seem a little much? Well, it was a pretty severe crash. They just... Standing there holding the sign. Isn't that the, the fault of the race? People she, who she run was sticking like, the sign out into the path of the oncoming so traffic. Make some ropes or something. What 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 century are we living in? Why are they allowed to be that close to the road? That well, doesn't seem like her fault. That seems like the director or whatever fault. She stuck the sign out in the path of the cyclists. Why is she that close to the road to begin with? They all are. Well, fix that. That's the problem. What, are you going to rope everybody away? A couple of feet? Yeah, I don't think that that would be a big deal. Jake, it doesn't seem like it's that hard to understand that it's okay to be there on the side of the road. But if your sign that you are holding that you have with you in your possession is sticking out into the path of the oncoming cyclist, that that's a different story. The, gal- the gallery in golf is not, you know, Tiger Woods isn't teeing off half a foot away from some Bozo fan. It, it's it's a roadway in uh, all around France. Uh, it, it, that's a good thing to be able to allow the the fans to be that close. But when you have another object that you add into the equation and he's and, and it's being stuck out into the road then that's different. Should you be arrested for stupid? <laughs> uh, we certainly hope not. Or, or should we look deeper into the matter and wonder why stupid was able to have such a monumental effect on things? Just don't stick a, a sign out. You can hold the sign, keep it you know, in your possession, but if it's extended out, it's, it'd be like somebody holding a, 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 a like a butterfly net. And then it's okay if you hold it vertically, but if you stick it out into the path of the, the, the playing surface, now you're going to cause some problems. That's different. Next time you do something dumb, I hope it results in an arrest. <laughs> Well, you saw the crash. It was violent. That one guy who was not looking straight ahead. It was a girl. No, I'm talking about the, the on the bike. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, he bounced his head off the off the ground. That was not good. Let's move the the, the spectators back, Dad. It's not <laughs> that hard. I don't think they need to be moved back. Just don't carry a sign is shaped like that. Or, or else you're getting arrested. Well, I mean, I don't know about This woman's going to have a record. Gordon's like, good. No, I'd probably... Throw can, the book at her. Probably can be expunged after a while. Can you, can you make it more, more after than a year? while? After her life is ruined, expunge it. <laughs> can we bump it up to five years in prison? Because, you know, that was such a long sign. Uh, well, that does make a difference. <laughs> If it had been square, it would not have interfered. I mean, this is where our idea of tar and feather fixes everything, though, as well, Jake. Yeah, it's true. No one else is ever again going to hold a sign out in front of the Tour de France 
If this woman is tarred and feathered. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> okay. true. If Meredith out there in Paris gets yeah. it. What's the ultimate name? Do deterrent. we know her name? Uh, no, they didn't release that on purpose. Angelique. Because people uh, like you are terrible. <laughs> and would probably threaten this woman. <laughs> no, I just... I, I just... Here's your sign and it's her inmate yeah. plate. Right. <laughs> there was a consequence that was severe on account of her actions. She didn't shove a broom through anyone's spokes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she might as well have. This is no different than the idiot on the front row of an NBA game that spills his beer onto the plane no, surface. No, this yeah. is different. A great How? point. Because How? that's an accident. She had a sign that was extending out into the pathway. Gordon, she wasn't swinging the sign at the cyclist. This was an accident. The, the, the guy in the front row isn't isn't uh, throwing his beer underneath Kawhi Leonard. All, all I can tell you is the second I saw the sign. Not to give I anyone thought, ideas. <laughs> That's going to be a problem. And it was. When I see someone sitting in their seat or standing at their seat courtside with a beer, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Well, maybe you should. There's lots <laughs> of signs at these things. This person that just got carried like away. What do you mean shaped like that? It was a it was a it rectangle was like, sign. It was like we can't argue about this. I'm sorry, I brought it up. I can't. This is how I think you automatically just argue with me. Oh, because you think they so, should just throw a so book classic. at this woman? No, just, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I'm just saying that there were consequences on account of her carelessness. Chateau Deef for you. Maybe, maybe they think... should move the crowd back a few feet. No, no. <laughs> I think, I think. No. I, I think, you know, they, they are trusting the fans to behave properly. And she didn't behave properly. I don't think, I don't think that uh, I would send her to jail. That seems a little severe. You know, have you ever seen that Seinfeld where uh, the, the runner accidentally grabs coffee? Yes. Pretty hilarious. Isn't that the same episode where he was supposed, Jerry was supposed to wake him up? Or wait, yeah, wake somebody he, up. They in. slept in and yeah, right. uh -huh. the racer from Kenya almost didn't make it to the but, race. But the whole concept of, of grabbing strange liquids from strangers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Kramer's coffee in his hand. Yeah, right. He's hanging out over the race yeah. just like just like this sign person. lady. Yeah. But can you imagine throwing a hot <laughs> cup of coffee over your head when you're anticipating a cool glass of water? <laughs> that anticipation is a key word, isn't it? You know what uh, I'd rather do than family pictures? Throw coffee over my head. Wow, that's saying something. How hot? I don't care. Oh, I would care. Yeah. What, I, who am I trying to impress? That reminds me of when our good friend Ryan Hatch had the coffee spilled dumped hot car. coffee he spilled it that's uh -huh. right. into his own lap on the air. On the air. Yeah. Oh, no it, way. oh I wish we still had the oh, sound. Yeah. The sound, the sound was, was incredible. It, it, it imitated because it was. Well, you heard, you heard like I've got my water bottle here, and you heard the the. <laughs> you, you like you could audibly hear the cup tip over, and then, and then it was just, like, oh! I mean, he honestly, because it was like first thing in the morning, and that coffee was piping hot, and he was, you know, kind of groggy or whatever, because Hatch was filling in. He didn't usually yeah. do the morning show, and <laughs> it tipped over some hot coffee right right, into, right into the lap. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I wonder. I mean, I don't want to wonder, but it probably blistered. It was that bad. But I, I swear the funniest part was you could hear the 
the the the metal coffee cup, you know, you could hear it tip over. <laughs> and then you could hear the response, which is you would understand. And then Eric Ray, who was co-hosting the show at the time, did kind of the play-by-play where he's laughing. He's like, oh, you just spilled some hot coffee right into your lap. <laughs> oh, man. I had to hurt. We should, we should write a Didn't book. Didn't throw him in stuff. jail, did they? No, I'm not, throw, I'm not throwing anybody in jail, but I just think that she was careless with the sign. And thus should be prosecuted I to the full extent that. of I the law. No, I don't. I, I don't think that. But it was her fault. Good Jack McCoy over here. <laughs> going at her for principal. You guys are the ones who want a tar and feather. Well, yeah. That's a deterrent. <laughs> yeah. So would you want a tar and feather? Well... Considering that uh, doesn't happen anymore, that's kind of part of the joke. I don't think I actually want her tarred and feathered. I don't mean to speak for Austin here. No, I think well, Austin really did. I, I would, but I would put that uh, uh, those liquid gloves. Have you ever had the liquid glove uh, stuff? It, it puts an invisible layer of, on top of your skin. It's like lotion, but it's see-through. I'd put that all over her body, then tar and feather her, make her act as though she's burning alive so that no one else ever again Wait a minute, does wait this. a minute, wait a minute. That exists? Yes. Liquid glove? That's a thing? It is. Stop it. It is. You just rub it on? Yeah, yeah. You just kind of, it's like, yeah. So what? So next time I have a bonfire, I'm going impre- to impress well, my friends and family by... Now here's where I have to put the disclaimer. It might be flammable. I don't. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so it might. I would be put useless. some kind of protective layer. But okay, how about this? What if I have a beehive somewhere on my property? <laughs> and you run through it and wearing hives, liquid gloves. Yeah, right. And the hive's got to go, and I just walk over there and like grab it. I would. I would recommend a heavy denim shirt. Also, uh, I don't uh, think either one would really be of any. So what? What is the particular use of this? The liquid gloves? Yeah. It's for, it's like if you have really bad eczema, it covers your, your cracks oh, on your okay. hands. Oh, okay. All right. So that that's not going to help you much with a with a flaming torch. Well, okay. So I don't then, know. Let's try it. No, this makes more sense as, a, as like a therapeutic as opposed to like. Yeah, it's not a spy thing. Like you know? I'm going to dive into a vat of acid wearing <laughs> yes. liquid glove. Well, you yeah. made it sound like, yeah, yeah. a liquid glove. <laughs> like, like, okay, you're Well, I'm, not, I'm just trying to, I'm not cruel. I don't want her to actually get hurt, but. I do want no one else to do this ever again. Oh my gosh, Austin's been shot. No, don't worry. He's got, a little, he's got liquid glove on. <laughs> he's, he put he's, his eczema lotion on this he's morning. Fine. Okay. Well, that makes a little more sense. I, I think Gordon and I were picturing like, some yeah. sort of protective, some uh, sort of membrane that you could <laughs> you know, apply. So you, what you say? You can set yourself on fire. Yeah, right. You, like you a bonfire, and you could be like, kids, have you ever heard of the Salem witch trials? <laughs> That could be. Never mind. We don't need to. Could I mean like the ultimate round the campfire horror story, right? Like you know how I'm going to prove to you that I'm a witch. <laughs> I have special powers. Yeah, you could really I'm, freak out those. I uh, meant it more like in Arrested Development, how he has the one-armed man always scare his kids into doing the right yeah, thing. Okay. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. And that is why you put the lid back on the toothpaste. <laughs> That's why we don't yell. That's why you always leave a note. <laughs> you guys. That show is so you incredible. Too. All right. Uh, what a show so far. Productive segment once again. Nailed that it. That was really a productive segment. We might get to Hans and Scotty sometime in the show. I'd love to hear their take on the NBA injuries, but I chose to argue over some 
cycling. Some gal with a sign. I got one other question real quick. Uh Uh-huh. We saw uh, Wimbledon on the TV here, and Andy Murray was, uh, they showed, they were interviewing him. Do you root, this is sort of related to what we talked about the other day, but do you automatically root for someone because they're American? Like the, the, the British were rooting for Andy Murray, even though just because he's from their country. Well, I, I'll tell you this, uh, not always, no. Uh, but in- Isn't he kind of, isn't he, uh, what's a word, difficult? Andy Murray? Yeah. I have no idea. But I'll tell you what, in tennis, there are zero good American tennis player, male tennis players. So, yeah, I'll cheer for an American because they're usually a far underdog. Isn't the number one American like 37th or something? I'm surprised it's that high, honestly. Hmm. When was the last great American tennis player? Male. We need to make that distinction because Serena's incredible. Don't say Andy Roddick. Pete Sampras? No, Andre. And, Andy Roddick was the last American to win a major. I'm pretty sure. I'd have to. Did make he double. only win one? And he only won one. Yeah, he almost won a, like two or three, but he only won one U.S. Open, and it was early in his career. James Blake comes to mind, but did he ever nah, win? Nah, he never did. My daughter actually played tennis against James Blake once. Honk. That was it. Was cool. <sighs> Any other famous tennis players you want to name drop real quick? <laughs> Jake has an autograph from Arthur Ashe. I do have an autograph from Arthur Ashe. How'd you get that? Uh, my mother got it for me on the night he died. What? Yeah. He uh, thought he was signing this death certificate. No, no, he no. He signed an autograph no, on no, the no. night he died? She got it for me on the night he died. Did so, she buy it? No, not really. So this is, uh, well, I'll make this a short story. My mother used to own a headband company. Uh-huh. And she would go to a trade show in Atlanta uh-huh. every year. All right. And at that trade show, of course, athletes from all over the world would come in and represent their, you know, brands, Nike, Reebok, whatever. And Arthur Ashe was representing Head, and they were hosting a party, and he was the main dude at the party. Okay. And so they handed out autographs to everybody who was invited and then he didn't come that night because he wasn't feeling well. And then it ended up that he passed. And when did she give you the, when did she give that to you? When she got back home. Okay. So, but that wasn't that night, was it? No, but she got it that night. What okay. You've picked the weirdest things to have <laughs> as a sticking points, but when did she give it to you? <laughs> was it a month later? Doesn't count. Was Jim McMahon a customer first? Uh, no. As a result of that whole thing, I did get a lot of cool autographs, though, when I was a kid. That's a good was, story. And I, I don't think meeting, I can top that. She was meeting a lot of uh, well-known athletes. Yeah, you'd go around. and I mean, she had like a booth, right? And she was there with her business partner, and they'd take turns manning the booth, and then the other would go, you know, they uh-huh. lines for autographs. I get Ricky Henderson, Herschel Walker. Oh. Uh, who else did, did she get me? Alex English. That was kind of a random oh, one. I can tell Gordon's got a story he wants. No, oh, yeah, no, he does. No, not I'm not trying to brag about this, by the way, but it is cool. I've it's got a few bragging. of them. Just oh, because you tell the story doesn't mean you're boasting. I've got most of them still For hanging example, in my house. For example, Gordon, what story comes to mind here? <laughs> Nothing. Uh-huh. What? You've got a tennis player story or eight. Yeah, but I mean, no, let's, let, uh, let's just let uh, Jake shine. 
What a monumental moment. Go ahead. No, we talk about when you I got summered better stories, but I don't want to eclipse anything. I just want to, you know, just let it sit. Summered with Pete Sampras or something. <laughs> no. Rode an elevator with Agus, he once, and said to him, you know, image really does matter, and look what, ha- look what happened there. <laughs> uh, Jake's the one who used to dress like Agassi. Oh, I had the old Challenger Court stuff. That stuff was awesome. You had, the, you had like, the fluorescent. Oh, uh, yeah. I had the whole I had the What were those things up. called? Compression shorts? What were those? But they were they were shorts. They were like denim shorts too, with the compression thing underneath, <laughs> but like sewn in. It wasn't two separate garments. I think one of the most amazing things about Agassi is the fact that he could play the way he did, wearing wearing that giant wig. Pretty amazing. But although when he you think when he, a dead animal on your head when he went front. full wig though is kind of when his career started going south. Remember, and then when he reemerged, he was bald, yeah. and everybody thought it was the new do. All right, stay tuned. We're way over for not a good reason. Market update is next. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. Win, win, win! It's a win ticket Wednesday on the Zone Sports Network. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Win. Listen all day for the win ticket Wednesday sounder for your chance to win tickets. What? Who authorized that? To all the biggest concerts, games, and other great events here in the state of Utah. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Oh, hey, guys. Jake here for my friends at Peach Window and Door. They are a locally owned and operated company. They are passionate Utah Jazz fans. They are Zone Sports Network listeners, and they've been in business doing the best work out there with windows and doors. The Utah's premier window and door retailing company uh, since 1993. They have a beautiful showroom. which right off 3rd West, 2940 South. You can drop by and see for yourself what they're capable of or Simply, you can talk some jazz if you're feeling it. But uh, their concept is if you can think it, if you can dream it, they can do it. They do custom work all the time. They are a, t- a turnkey window and door company. That means uh, no high-pressure sales, no subcontractors, no ghosting. They'll take care of you from sales to install. Their whole goal is to back all the experience up with guarantees to bring peace of mind to satisfied customers. And customer service, listen, is a big deal to the folks at Peach. They will always answer the phone. You will always talk to a human being. They offer 0% interest financing. Uh, they have that available for you. They do free in-home estimates. So find out what they can do for you. You can go online, peachbuildingproducts.com. They have a beautiful website. Uh, I mentioned the showroom, 2940 South, 300 West. Or here's their phone number. Call, schedule an in-home estimate, 801-556-1255. That's 801-556-1255. Peach, window and door. Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. I grind every day just so I can live a better life. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for a market update brought to you by TridayTrading.com. Now anyone can be a day trader. Visit TridayTrading.com. We've got Chris Mannix coming up next. But first, Gordon, how did the markets do today? Jake, if you need me, call me. I'll be there. Thanks, buddy. Well, the Dow had a healthy day, up 210 points. Every day is daffodils and uh, sweet pickles. It's all the way up to uh, 34,502.51. The NASDAQ, though, went down 24 points. Oh, come on! <laughs> and the S&P, who is that? That's Job from Arrested Development. Okay. And S the S&P was up uh, almost six points. Yay! <laughs> you run out of drops. <laughs> All right. So there you go. Up, down, up, huh? Yeah. It was a good day for some of the more popular stocks. A good day for General Electric. Good day for Walmart. Good day for Boeing. Good day for Citigroup. Good day for Caterpillar. Those specifically. I know you're heavily leveraged in Caterpillar. <laughs> I don't know what I'm leveraged in. I don't know all the deeds. No. No. <laughs> you just let that vast fortune <laughs> no, I don't. operate itself. Huh? You know, I really think this whole idea of, of you perpetrating this idea that I'm like filthy rich. I don't is, perpetrate that idea. No. <laughs> you do that just fine yourself, Oh, yeah, sir. but you know, when I say those kinds of things, I'm just joking. No, no, you're not. You yes, actually drive a nice car, and you actually vacation. You jet set across the world, staying in bottled mansions. <laughs> That's true. I do. Got no, him. Not really. Got him. No. You did. Once or twice, but, you know, <laughs> not usually. You'll find me at the Motel 6. False. False. Asking for directions to the Ritz. Yeah, right. <laughs> See, here you there go are, again. There are there Motel 6s where you vacation. Everywhere I, people go over to me, wow, man, do you really? And I say, no. No, those guys Just are once just, or twice. Those guys are joking. The odds of someone going once on a vacation where there's, you know, in-home services, and you've done it more than once. No, I think I only did that once. Uh, maybe uh, twice. Yeah. No, no, really. No, no, it's not that thing. I don't do that. When you went to Europe, I don't think you were, you know, like hitchhiking from hostel to hostel. Yeah, that's true. We, we did do that up. We did. We did that up. Right? All right. Once in a, once in a blue moon. Yeah. How often are there blue moons? I don't even know. Chris Mannix Less is, often than you go on these type of vacations. <laughs> Chris Mannix is coming up next. Oh, uh, well, that, that just backfired, didn't it? Here I am trying to downplay that whole thing, and you guys just play it right back up. Uh, but again, you play it up. Just, just to be funny. You know. No, but you actually have a nice. I only have one Porsche. <laughs> no, and you actually when said I, that. When and I, that's actually true. I have a nice car. <laughs> when I said that, it was it's pronounced. It Porsche. was so you guys could have make fun of me. Parking stall it lines was, are merely suggestions. It was not. Yes, it was. And the, and the whole thing about the nice car, I've explained it a thousand times. It's the it was the one thing, the one thing. You know, the rest of the time I don't spend any money. 
you know, which is not true. And again, that one thing is like the the second biggest investment that any normal human makes. <laughs> so I don't think you're saying what you think you're saying. All right. You know, the one thing I'm doing nice for myself is I I eat name brand cereal. <laughs> You know, I don't go with the, the store brand stuff. I actually buy Fruit Loops. But that's the one thing I do nice for myself. Like, that's not. I love it. I love this discussion every time we have it. Um, Mannix is next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 of the zone.